Hey, you're listening to a sermon from Ketchikan Church of the Nazarene. Thanks for listening. If you'd like more information about our church, you can visit ktnnaz.org, visit us on Facebook, just search Ketchikan Naz, or you can download our free app from the iPhone store or the Google Play store, just search Ketchikan Naz. Thanks for visiting. Hope the Word of God speaks to you today. Praise the Lord. There was a drop of water that fell from heaven. It struck the desert floor, a floor that was parched and cracked and lifeless. The drop became a creek. And the creek began to flow into a river, and the river spread out into a marsh, and the marsh became a lake. And soon the desert was revitalized, where there was no hope, where there was no life, where there was no evidence of the presence of God. Suddenly, it was transformed. Women were transformed. Men were transformed. Children were transformed. And having this new hope and and having this new life in them, they began to serve the Lord. Oh, the water that we speak of today is the good news of Jesus Christ. Amen. The water that came to the desert and began to change the lives and transform people. We began to ask ourselves, where is the church not? And we've asked ourselves, where can we go to tell people about Christ. And God began to open the doors. And across West Africa today, we have more than 1,000 churches of the Nazarene. Hallelujah. I don't, sometimes those churches is not what you imagine with your beautiful building like this. Many of them are worshiping under trees and in, in uh, stick homes and, and in schools. But uh, in fact, up there as I drive along, I don't call it the church of the Nazarene. I call it the trees of the Nazarene because we got a lot of trees of the Nazarene. The people of the church, amen? And the church is growing. And in our area, we face three major factors that affect the advancement of the kingdom of God. We face Islam, which is the overriding religion that is in most of West Africa. We face challenges of the animism, the, the worship of evil spirits and the fear of the darkness. And then there are cults that are involved in, that have a mixture and, and, and basically have, have completely involved the people into a, a mindset that is very hard to reach for Christ. I praise God today that God is helping us to move across what we call the Sahel Initiative, the Sahel Movement. These are the, the countries that you might have heard of in the news, Senegal, Mali, Niger, Burkina Faso, Guinea, Conakry, uh, Nigeria, Northern Benin, Togo. These are the countries that we work in, 14 countries across West Africa. We call, it's called the Sahel because the Sahel is, is means, uh, in Arabic, it means uh, the, the appearance of a, a shore or, or a coast. And you say, well, that's nowhere close to the, the ocean, and you're right. It's not that it's a shoreline of green. It's where the, the, the vegetation begins in sub-Saharan Africa. That is the Sahel region. 
the place that's been difficult to live in, and in many ways over hundreds of years has never been evangelized. But we said that is the place that God is calling us. And we began to, to energize our leaders and, and the, 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 the people began to work hard. And I praise God today that we have a presence in many of these areas because the Church of the Nazarene has a mission to go and make disciples in all nations. Amen? You are part of that as you support the, the mission work of the church of the World Evangelism Fund. That is part of our, our way as a, every Nazarene church. Even those little churches out there that are beginning churches, they are contributing to the World Evangelism Fund. And it might only be a few dollars a year, but every church is contributing to the idea that we must go where the church is not. And it's been exciting to see how do we do that. Well, we have decided that there are four areas that we have been, been working at. National missionaries. You can imagine that in places like the Sahel, mostly Muslim, Senegal, where I live, is 94% Muslim. Mauritania, just to the north, 99%. Mali, 93%. Niger, 99%. Conakry is 84%. Sierra Leone, 71%. So you see... Um, me with my white skin and missionary type, we will not make an impact in those areas. What we are looking for is those who will take the gospel and move it just beyond their culture. Former believing Muslims that have come to Christ are the best missionaries to reach back into their own communities and cross borders and reach into those areas. And we believe God is doing that. We also realize that we are not talking about many uh, nations. These countries that I've told you were designed by uh, those who came in and drew maps. But the reality is people know each other by their people group. And so we are seeing that as we present the gospel to, to a particular people group, and, and as they are coming to know Christ, we, we don't draw boundaries, but we look to where are the people, and we go to their relatives and to their friends, and one family telling another family member, just as it was in the day of Acts. And God is blessing that. And we also see that most of these places are oral traditions. And so we are trying to figure out how do we get the gospel in an oral method into these areas. And finally, compassion. Knowing that out of a holiness heart that we also realize that we are not just raising up the soul, which is the key element, but we also must touch the body. We must help those who are without water, those who are without food to find a way to hear the gospel and to sense the love of the gospel of the church. So we have been encouraging church planters. I want to tell you a story about this pastor. Pastor is one of our northern districts. It's the first, first year that they became, became a district, and they had 400 churches on their district. And that's pretty exciting. Um, I don't think the DS was too excited about that idea, but um, imagine being the DS of 400 churches. And, and as they had their first assembly, they said, you know, there are people groups just across the river into Togo who have never heard the gospel, we need to send somebody across into the other country, and who will go? And that was Apollinaire, who raised his hand, his hand and said, I will go. He had no budget. When you ask him, he said, I had no budget, I just have Jesus. <laughs> I kind of like his faith, amen? But the, the ladies, the women's ministries, gathered all that they could that, from their farms, and they gave him some a love offering of food and he sent, he sent him off and Apollinaire had no budget and he had no, nothing but the, the offering that the crowd gave him and he went in faith to one of the most difficult areas in North Togo where there were no churches, almost all Muslim com communities 
And he began to preach the gospel and he brought the good news to the people. And we were able to give him a, a set of Jesus film that one guy with a motorcycle and a backpack, everything is run by solar panels, they recharge the batteries, you don't have to have a generator, you don't have to have reels, everything is on a memory card, 8 gig memory card, you can put Jesus film in 8 different languages, and one guy with a motorcycle can show the film, night after night, village after village, telling the name of, uh, uh, the name of Christ, the good news, to those in their very own language for them to understand. And the Muslims began to come and give their life to the Lord. By in mass, we saw conversions of many Muslim communities. Amen? And we saw that in that one-year period, he planted more than 23 churches in a place that had no churches. Oh, we praise God because of, of pastors like Apollinaire. In fact, the Muslims started giving him, taking care of him. They gave him a house. They began to bring him food. They gave him a bicycle. They said, well, our neighbors just down there need to hear. So here's our bicycle. Go and, and preach the good news to them. Hallelujah. And they began to support uh, Apollinaire. And, and by the, the partnerships that we have with, with Harvest Partners, we were able to buy him a motorcycle. Many of you guys know of the Christian Motorcycle Association. And they began to contribute. In fact, last year we got 60 motorcycles from the CMA group. And we praise God for that because that is like just giving our, our evangelists a, a way to go and spread the gospel and then to come back and begin to disciple them. In fact, one of the stories they, that he tells, Pastor Opolionera tells about a place called Yongu. We had planned a three or four days of showing there and they began to show the film. But the first day, the, the youth did not really come. They came and they began to look, but no one would come forward when they asked who would believe? The second day, when they showed this young man, his name was Chamanga. He had come from the Pular tribe. They are a nomadic group. And so every year when the rain, when it gets to the dry season, like right now, I know you guys don't know what dry season, well, I heard your dry season is that you only got half an inch or like a half an inch of rain in May or something like that, right? So we haven't seen a drop of rain since September of last year. But we have waited almost eight months, and we're still waiting for the first rains to hit. And so you imagine in this, in this area, they have to bring their animals down farther and farther. As the vegetation dries up and goes away, they keep searching for food for their animals. And so the, the, our, our guys, our leaders knew that in this particular area, there are nomadic tribes that, that flow through. And so they said, let's show the Jesus film in that place. Because we know that they're coming. And so in Fulfulde, which is a language group that we are trying to reach. And they showed the film. And the second night, Chamanga, when he came forward, you know, it's very hard for someone to come forward and publicly proclaim that they are going to come to Christ. But on the second day, he stood and boldly gave his testimony. He said that his family was Muslim. He said that all of his friends were Muslim. He had married a Muslim wife. But today... He had never seen anyone willing to give his life for him. And when he saw that Christ had done on the cross for him, and he saw that God was give, willing to give his only son, that he might be saved, he said, today I want to serve the Lord. And he bowed his knees and we prayed for him. And Chamanga gave his life to Christ. Amen. Now that was a very difficult decision for him. In fact, there were two young Pular guys that were right with him. And sure enough, as soon as they left that place, they went and told his parents, his parents that they had been converted immediately there was a division in the family and we returned uh, we finished our showings and returned home but 
and the new believers began to gather in this place. And, but Chimanga was interested in going to church, but so he would leave his house and he would wander, and then he would come to the, the worship time, and then he would keep walking for several hours, and then when he'd come home, when the parents asked him, where have you been? He said, oh, I've been on a walk. And the month after that, our district assembly, Chimanga came in secret again to attend, but after the event, he approached our Diaz no, uh, Nober Tumodagu, and he asked him how his family was, and he said, well, since the time that he had given his life to Christ, that they had treated him very poorly. The communication had stopped. In fact, the family had decided to move on with the herds, and he decided to stay back. Now, in their culture, normally, if someone decides to stay behind, they divide the herd, and they give him a portion in order for him to survive. But this family went and refused to give him anything. So there he was, his wife and him and his small child, with nothing. Our church leaders knew that they must take care of this new believer, and so they took him into their, their family for, for some time. But slowly but surely, Chamanga began to get uh, several animals, and he began to create his own herd. Oops. Let me grab that. And Chamanga began to, to trust in the Lord, and we began to form him and give him discipleship. And he began to believe that God was going to just take care of him. Amen? And so every year as the groups th start to come in, Chamanga became our, our evangelist to the other Pula. And he began to convert them. And every time, every year now, as, the, as the, 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 the same people group come in, he converts one or two or three or four families. And so the herds go on, and now they stay behind. And in this place, they have begun a Pular Christian community. Amen? And God is using them. His wife uses the, the Bible story cloth that we have that has different images. And, and he, she shares every week with the children and the women. And they begin to use the audio Bible. Uh, and we'll talk more about this. But the way for, for others who have, cannot read, but they can have a, a little uh, papyrus unit. And through that audio Bible, they can preach the word of God. And, and Chamanga has one. And he, he tells them and the wife and, and uh, begins to share with others and we have seen that all of this has come by the will of God. Amen? That there's a whole community that's beginning to follow Christ in a people group that has never, ever had many Christians at all. Oh, we believe that God is opening the doors in many areas. Even uh, in Mali and in Burkina Faso. This is Michelle. He's a, a natural church planter. He's planted more than 60 churches. And, and we sent him into Mali, into Bamako. He began to, to preach the word. And today he's a national missionary from Burkina Faso into Mali. And along with him we sent uh, J.J. Yao Kalamant and Lucy who have been our district superintendents in the, the main Cote d'Ivoire, which is the place where the missionaries first went in West Africa. He's a longtime church leader and, and he's gone to organize and to help, help develop the work across that area. Our national leadership is making an impact and we ask you to pray for them. Because they face many challenges, even after they have given their heart to the Lord, even as they, as they serve Him faithfully, they are making much sacrifice. And we believe that we, we must focus on people groups, because God is calling us to, to go into the, to a people group. There are certain groups that, that are very animistic. Uh, we think, uh, we tell you the story of one of the cults, the cult of Tigari. There are so many that believe wholeheartedly in this Tigari. It's like a cult that they, they have a calabash and they begin to bang the, uh, bang the calabash. And in the nighttime, they'll gather in circles and, and they, they believe in invoking the spirits. And so they'll call out and say, oh, we see the spirit of some animal that comes out of you. And, 
and they'll, they'll chant and they'll, they'll sing all night and they've got them like a cult. And sometimes they'll say, oh, that person is filled with the evil spirits and they'll, they'll beat that person. And, uh, and it is a, a, a system that, that is just totally controlling over their lives. But in those very places are the places where these young guys are taking the Jesus film. And they believe that God is going to change them. Amen? And sure enough, in this village, we had a, a, a village leader who said, yes, you can show the film. And so they began to, to show the film. And the power of that film, in the very language of the heart of those people, the leader, this, this chief, came to Christ. You see him in the front of the, the picture. And he gave his life to Christ. And now today, we have more than 50 Nazarenes believers in the very heart of this cult. And because of Christ. Amen? Focusing on the power of the film, power of the Word of God. And as we see, the Holy Spirit is using that to make changes. Sometimes today we forget about the power of God. We serve an awesome God, amen? A God who can do anything. We believe that? There was a story of the, a little, uh, these many villages that are uh, uh, making their own churches. We, as a church, are, do not go in and build local churches because we feel we should not do for what the local church should do for itself. And so a thousand churches across West Africa, we said, build your own church. And we'll, we'll help you with training and district centers. And those are the places that we focus our energies. And this little village of Sisi's, uh, they, the people started about two years ago. And they began to build their own church building. They had gathered and saved their money. And they had their iron sheets. The only thing they were missing was the wood. You can imagine in a desert like we are, wood is hard to come by. And so they went and they saw this big tree in the middle of their village and they, they went to their chief and they asked him permission to cut down that tree for their church. He said, I will never allow this tree to be cut down for the use of the church. He was involved with this animistic uh, sorcery. He was one of the leaders in that area. In fact, he challenged the pastor. He said, if your God is the one true God, then let that God knock down this tree. Hallelujah. <laughs> so the, the people began to pray that God would reveal himself in that day. And sure enough, they prayed the first day. They prayed the second day. On the third day, as they began to pray that night, a mighty rushing wind blew into that village. Oh, it didn't knock down the little huts or the weak trees, but there was only one tree that fell down in that entire village. You guys already know which tree it is, don't you? Hallelujah. Early in the morning, the villagers came to see, and a runner was sent to the chief. Can you imagine what that guy had to say to the chief? Hey, chief, I think you better come look. Something fell in the village. And the leader of the chief looked for himself, and then that night, he quietly, on tiptoe, in the secret of the night, like Nicodemus, came to the pastor. And he knocked on his door so no one would see him, and the chief said, I have seen a great power, and I want to have it. Yes, how can you give me this same power? And the pastor said, oh, it's not me, but the power of the one who lives in me. It's the one who died for your sins and for mine. He is the, the one who loves us and stands at the right hand of the Father. And today, you too can have this power if you trust in Christ. Hallelujah. Today, that chief is part of our Church of the Nazarene, he sits in the very church with the rafters and the beautiful roof that was placed on there from the tree 
that God knocked down. Hallelujah. Oh, we praise God that he is revealing himself. And we, we believe that God is going to do the same kind of things. And, and as we see the opposition, but we believe that God is going to reach the people groups. These are eight people groups that we are praying for. You talked about your praying wall. I'm going to put the names of these, of these churches on your praying wall back there. Because all across West Africa and all across around the world, we're asking people to pray for these people groups that do not know Christ, but we believe God is going to open the doors just the same way as he done in Sisi's. People like the Gurmanchi, the Bariba, Zerma, Bambara, the Fulani, uh, the Kulango, and the Sunofu. These are tribes all across the, the Sahel region that have never heard the name of Christ. And many of them are just waiting to see the light of Christ. Amen? I believe that God is helping us in oral ways to, to communicate the gospel. If you couldn't read or write, how would you know the message? And, and I believe that God is helping us in this. And we have quite a few opportunities. Um, the, this small unit that you see them holding up is called a papyrus unit. It's like an oral Bible. and It has expandable. It's, you can put it in the sun. It recharges itself. And uh, you can expand it with a memory card and put up to eight languages or more of the Bible. And so we have these. These are three of our trainers. The, the man in the middle is an older man. His name is Yarbakoto. And he said to us, I feel the call to reach the old people. Because many times no one takes the time for them. They have to hear it three or four. They can just see the film, but they need to hear it five or six times because they have questions they don't understand and nobody explains it to them. And so he said, I, I feel God calling me. And so he takes his Bible and he has literally, with the oral tradition, most of us who are in the written, you know, we have Google to remember everything that we don't remember. But in that oral culture, there are men who have memorized enormous amounts of history. And this guy, Yabakato, is the same way. He has memorized now large portions of the Bible. And with the oral Bible, he listens to it every day and explains it to them. In fact, in the last assembly, he had won four to Christ this past year. He said, There's a, we need to plant a church in this village and in this village and in this village because we have new leaders, the new believers. And I praise God for, for our old men who are saying, God can use me and I can, I can go and share the word of God with those who have never heard. Amen? Emmanuel has planted so many churches. He said, if I had a thousand of these churches, I, would, I mean thousands of these Bibles, I would open a thousand churches. That's his, that's his kind of faith. He said, I hope that it pours and it starts raining down oral Bibles on this land. That was his, his translation. I said, well, I, I'm, I'm excited for Emmanuel because he has the same passion. I've watched him take his motorcycle, go to a place and park his motorcycle under the tree and hold up the Bible and begin to preach the word of God, listening to the story and then explaining it. And we praise God. And the young lady that you see, she has been helping men and youth, uh, the, sorry, the women and the youth with programs. And not only are we using these, but we're also developing programs. This is Pastor, oh, this is Jill, Jesus Film Ministry. I've already talked about that. Um, did I miss one? I think I went backwards. Sorry, I'm, I'm running out of time, so I've got to talk quick. Let me just move this forward to the... In part of the development, as we begin to realize that we, we must touch those... No, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm just going to go back. I got, got off track here. Okay, I'm pushing my... There, there's the man I was looking for. Okay, Prao Kalko is his name. And Prao is our, compassion, uh, is our communications coordinator. And Prao is using 
the radio developing programs. We can, we can have a radio um, studio all in a backpack. It's just a computer with some mi uh, a good uh, sound uh, system and a recording. And we've been training guys. We have six different countries right now that are, are developing oral um, uh, training materials for our, our pastors. And so uh, as those guys have their, their Bibles out there, all we do is we just send them out the memory card. And they change out the SD card. And then we can do a series of preaching, like 15 different uh, uh, preaching lessons. And then they send that out. And using these small backpacks and radios, not only are we getting on the radio station and preaching the word of God and it's going across the borders into Niger in places where we can't uh, preach the gospel openly, but the radio is sending it there for us. And so we encourage you to, to continue to pray for our radio programs. And as we said, the Jesus film, Motorcycles, these guys, across uh, West Africa, we have 78 teams in 11 countries. And each year, we are equipping them with more. The, the backpacks and the motorcycles are helping us to reach those remote areas. So pray for our guys in West Africa as they continue to share the gospel. And finally, as I close today, I would just like to talk about some of the compassionate ministries. How do we change the hearts of people? through touching their lives physically as well. That same northern district in the, that sent out to the first missionaries across the border is also saying, how do we impact our community? So they got together and they got 150 goats. And they looked at the, the children that are there that are going to school and they have no school fees. So they decided what we're going to do is we'll give a goat to uh, a child and um, uh, goats tend to multiply pretty quick. And so as the child grows and as the, as the goat has uh, uh, kids, then they, they give back one to, the, to the, the, the program and then they keep using those goats to every year to raise those goats and to sell them. Now, you might have a hard time recognizing whose goat is who, but out there as they're running free, everybody knows whose goats and they always go back to the same house at night. And in fact, we asked the chief of the village to identify the 20 kids in the school that we're going to get goats. So now the chief has selected them, so you don't want to touch the goat that the chief selected. If you do, you're in big trouble. And by using the community, we're not saying just Nazarene kids. No, this is Muslim kids. These are kids that have been affected in some way. And God is using it uh, as our own leaders, our own people in their own way are figuring out how to be compassionate in their own churches. And we praise God for that because God is helping to, to multiply the effects of the church. We also believe that in these areas that water is an important response. If you imagine that every drop of water that you use to wash your body, to wash your car, your dishes, um, any water that you drink has to come from a well that's a half a mile away brought in on your head with, a, with a pails of water. You can imagine that water is pretty precious. And to be able to go into some of these communities and as we see them turn their life to Christ, then we honor a family and we put a well in their village. And we begin to drill that well and we put in a, a local pump that we make out of all local materials so that they can repair them. I don't want to make what I call monuments to failure. So we see out there pumps and these big systems, but they're dead today. And so we have simple systems and God has helped us in fact... Uh, in Senegal, we praise the Lord because a, a group in Alabama helped me to get a big rig. We imported it, and now I can drill to like 200, almost 300 feet, and we can do deep irrigation. And we've been able to start Joseph projects. 
which is a way to put agriculture into use, and we're helping to support the very ministries that are reaching out into these areas. So God has helped us in using ways from Compassionate to overcome those obstacles and to help us to touch the lives of people and be able to make an impact. Out there in those same communities, commercial operations might charge 5000 or $10,000 for a well. But because we have our own equipment and we are training our own guys, we can do a well for 2000 or even a hand well for $500. And so we are encouraging those to get involved. And we believe that God is helping us. We just got a donation in Benin. And we're starting another group in northern Benin to go across the Sahel region to provide water. This last photo is, is uh, um, an encouragement to me. Um, I'd love to do a whole series of what you can carry on a motorcycle uh, because you would be amazed. <laughs> but this, script, this, this brings a, a mind to the scripture and I want to leave you with the scripture. What I see here is an innovative group of young people who have the heart of Christ. And these are young Nazarene youth that are so dedicated to sharing the gospel. Some of the young pastors, 19 years old, have as many as five or seven churches that they're responsible for. And every Sunday they get on their motorcycle or their bicycle and they get up in the morning and they, and they preach at one and they go to the next one and they go to the next one. And during the middle of the week they follow up. And I praise God for them because this is what the scripture says out of Isaiah 40, starting in verse 3 to 5. It says, a voice of one calling in the desert, prepare the way for the Lord. And make straight in the wilderness a highway for our God. Every valley shall be raised up, every mountain and hill made low. The rough ground shall become level in the rugged places of plain. And the glory of the God will be revealed, and all, man together, all mankind together will see it. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Amen? God is doing a new thing. Do you not know and have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God. The creator of the heavens of the ends of the earth. The creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow weary. He will not go tired or weary. And his understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youth grow tired and weary. And young men stumble and fall. But those who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They will rise up with wings as eagles. They will run and not be weary. They will walk and not faint. Amen? Oh, I believe that God is helping us as a church to reach the very difficult places for His kingdom. The darkest places that need the light. And you're a part of that. And I hope that you continue to pray for young men like this who are tired sometimes, who are weary, sometimes discouraged as even I am. But God continues to remind me that he never grows tired. Amen? And as we trust in him, he will bring the good news. I want to just quickly pray and turn it back to the pastor. Father, thank you for this day here in Ketchikan that we can share your goodness. Oh Lord, you are the awesome and mighty God. We serve you today, Father, just to say how great you are. Lord, I pray for the pastors like Pastor Jean Benoit, Pastor Nobert, 
Tumudaku. Lord, may you help them not be discouraged in the midst of all of their struggles, that they know that there are people around the world who are praying for them. And mostly, Father, that they will be reminded today that you are their Father, and that you walk beside them each day. Lord, help us here in our own community to prepare the way for the Lord, to open the doors so that others might come to know and to hear your word. We know that you are the one who calls and you are the one who saves. You are the one who sends. Lord, we just want to be open vessels to be used. I pray for this church, oh Father. I thank you for their outreach in this community. I pray that you would continue to empower them, that you would help them to be mission-minded, not only on a local level, but on a global level. We thank you for the Church of the Nazarene today, Lord. Bless its leaders. Help us to stay on mission. Guide us this day, and we'll give you all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen.